0: You've heard before, and uh, it, in one form or fashion, one context after another, I—I'm uh, sure you've heard it before. So, I want to make sure that you and and I hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this particular season of our time, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you got it, stand to your feet. If you don't have it, one of the ways we honor the word of God at the church is that we do stand, so if you can, please stand, and we should put it up, there we go, we'll put it up behind you um, as well. We want to keep uh, Mother Robbie in prayer. Uh, Mother Robbie just lost her mother um, last night, if I'm understanding correctly, and if you know, her husband has been placed in hospice as well. So we want to keep uh, the Williams family in prayer. Uh, they are amazing, amazing people and, and men and women of God. And I said, what kind of hospice is this? I went over to see him. They said he was gone. I said, what? They said, yeah, he's gone. I said, well, that's a good sign. So went to get some blood work done. He's hanging in there. But we want to keep keep our, uh, her family in prayer. Um uh, verse 50, 1 Corinthians, we've been doing a series called Some Assembly Required, and today, because we're honoring our graduates, I want to make sure that I give something to those men and women that are graduating, and in the process of challenging and pushing and promoting their, their tremendous accomplishments, I also want to uh, make sure that with the broad stroke, I sweep across everyone that's in this room, because if you're on your way anywhere, you will have to graduate from something. I'm going to say that again. If you're on your way anywhere in this life, you will have to graduate from something. So I want to talk to the graduates today. Beginning at verse 50, it reads like this. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Now I say, brethren, that that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Focus on me. Look at me real quick because I want us to understand what he's talking about and what he's not talking about. Corruption and incorruption. He is not talking about right and wrong, sin and righteousness. This is not what he's talking about. When he said corruption and incorruption, he is speaking about what is in the physical world, which is dying, fading, corruptible. And what is spiritual, which is incorruptible and always existing. Amen. Now verse 51 says, behold, I tell you a mystery. He says, now I'm going to explain this that I just said. We will not all sleep but we shall be changed. We're not going to all die. That's what he's saying. Sleep means die. We're not going to all die, but we're just going to change. Somebody shout, change. We're not going to die. We're going to change in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on corruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then we shall be brought, Then it shall be brought to pass the saying that was written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thou sting? O hell, where is thou victory? And the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? And therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Listen to me, graduates. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor at this level that you're at was not done in vain in the Lord. And the church said, Amen. I want you to find three people and just tell them, I graduated. I graduated. I graduated. I graduated. I graduated. Amen, amen. All right, all right. Wrong three people. Find three more people and tell them, I graduated from that. I graduated from that. Yeah, yeah, I graduated from that. I'm not done with school, but I'm done with that school. Amen? Amen. I gra- now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you the glory. We give you the honor as we prepare for the word of God. Father, I pray that you send an anointing that makes teaching and preaching the gospel simple send an anointing that will transform the life of the hearer of the word and God send the anointing that would make us not just be hearers but doers as well and in this Lord I give you the glory and the honor in Jesus name amen amen you may be seated in the presence of God smile at somebody tell them it's just church it's all good it's just church um uh, In in the effort to challenge the life of every person that is here, I want to take a contemporary perspective of this this, uh, famed scripture. This is a scripture that is oftentimes used to discuss uh, the transition of going from life into death. In the moment in the twinkling of an eye. This idea that in a second my life can go from being alive and breathing in this world and taken away by the decree of heaven and I move now into the space where I am being judged by a God that is righteous. This text of scripture is uh, in some sense is spiritually put to help us understand the right thing and the wrong thing in our journey, but very more specifically, the way Paul was trying to address the church uh, had to do with existential things, meaning end time ideas, but not just existential ideas or uh, eschatology type of ideas rather, end time things. It was not just in that space. He was also trying to, to, to help the Corinth church understand the divide that clearly exists between what is spiritual and what is earthly. This is going to help your Christian life the moment you understand that we currently exist in two different worlds, that there is a seen dimension and there is an unseen dimension. The faster you can settle that in your spirit, that there is a dimension that I can see, move, touch, feel, operate in, and There is a dimension that I cannot see. I can only discern that it exists. Until we understand that there is a divide between what I can see and operate in and what I cannot see, the faster you'll understand the way that God operates in this world. You'll be able to understand some of the instances and things that have happened in your life. Because this world is only a temporal expression of the eternal world. In the eternal world is where God lives. In the eternal world is where the angels are. In the eternal world is where demonic uh, activity is taking place. You cannot see it. You can only discern it. You cannot, you cannot get a visual glimpse of it. You can only know by faith and by experience that there is a world operating around you, beyond you, and past you that has to be acknowledged even Though you cannot always explain the experience of it. And with that world, we understand that there is the physical world, the world you currently live in, the world that you're more familiar with. You know that there are trees and there's the sun outside and you know that your body has flesh attached to it. You know that this is a real physical chair you're sitting in, a real room, in real time right now. This world exists. And the unique aspect about this is that if you're not careful, this seen world will force you to ignore the unseen world. But Jesus told Peter this about the world. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, he's saying that what you do in the seen world moves the needle to what God is trying to do in the unseen world. So now you have power. Somebody shout, I have power. You have power so unique. That there is nothing that God created that has the ability to exist in both the physical and the spiritual at the same time. Nothing that that he created. There are three types of things in this life and in this world that God put in the earth. The first is the things that are eternal. Eternal things, set your affections on things eternal. There are the eternal things, things that are connected to God, things that are connected to the spirit dimension. The second type of thing that's in this world are temporal things, that are things that are in this physical dimension that will eventually fade away and pass. And that is critical that we understand and spend some time right here talking about the temporal world because the temporal world is not just connected to physical items. The temporal world is connected to the idea of everything that when God created it, he only meant for it to serve its purpose in the physical world. That's everything. So when we talk about temporal, we tell you don't set your your affections on temporal things, but set your affections on things that are above. What is God really saying? He's, more, he's saying more than don't just set your affections on a big house or a big car because a big house and a big car is a temporal thing. That's not the only thing that's temporal. Can I take you to your Bible? Relationships are temporal. Amen to Jesus. Marriage is temporal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Being in love is temporal. These are experiences that make being on earth matter but in the scheme of eternal things god says that this is only for the time that you here on this earth the bible says that in heaven there is neither male nor female the bible says that in heaven there will be no one will be taken to marriage what does that mean is that when you get that marriage as and and your gender and what it means to be all of these things only has effect while you're here in the physical space of time and space. Are you following what I'm saying? I know you love him, but you're going to have to let him go when you transition into the next space. Because in the next space, it's not going to be about who you love on earth. It's going to be about the God that's in heaven. Watch this. And if you love anything more than you love him, you're not going to stay there long. So the temporal, somebody shout temporal. Temporal demands that we understand priority. Temporal demands that we understand what matters. Temporal demands that we be able to understand that these things are necessary but are not necessarily for the the duration of my entire existence and journey in this life. Everything that God created has either an eternal property Or a physical temporal property. They are cut down the line in two expressions. It's either eternal or it is temporal. Everything that is eternal, the Bible teaches, when the end time comes, everything that is spiritual will eventually make a physical appearance. But nothing in the Bible says that when the physical thing goes to an end that it will make an appearance in the spiritual. So everything, this is why the writer says that it's vanity, it's vanity, it is all vanity. He says if you put too much energy in life and too much effort in love and too much energy in your accomplishments... And too much energy in who you love or who you, that it is all to naught. It is vanity. It matters while I'm here. But as an eternal being, it is a drop in the ocean as it relates to the measure of what really matters. Pastor, if that doesn't matter, what does matter? You matter. You matter. Because human beings are the only thing that God created according to the scripture that have both physical properties and eternal properties. You are the only thing, you, I'm not talking about your body, you, the you that's inside of your body. The scripture teaches us that you are living forever. You will live forever, and you currently are living forever. The Greek writer, when he talks about death, and this is what Paul is speaking about in 1 Corinthians. The Greek writer, when he talks about death, he uses the word nekros. Nekros is the Greek word that means to separate. When the Bible talks about death, he does, it is never speaking about ceasing to exist. He is speaking about separation. So when the Greek writer, when the writer of the New Testament, who was written in Greek, says that you will die, he's not saying you're going to cease to exist. He's saying that you're going to separate from something. What is going to separate? My soul that was forever alive is going to separate from my body. That's why Paul says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're not going to all sleep, but we will be changed. We're not going to cease to exist. We're just going to change from the corruptible Physical body that will go back to the ground and your being that is alive and conscious will stand before God in eternity and talk to him about what you did when you was in that body. That's the way. So the Bible calls death separation. Are you following what I'm saying? To be separated, your soul to be separated from your body is what God calls death in the end. Somebody shout the end. The end time, if you keep studying the scriptures, it doesn't just talk about the first death. The first death is the separation from the body and the soul, where the soul goes to be, be, be put on to judgment, and the body goes back to the dust from where it came from, and you will never get that body again. The Bible says that you'll be given a heavenly body. We don't know what that body is or what it looks like. What we do know is it's not the thing that goes in the coffin. Right, right, right. <laughs> Okay, y'all ain't trying to work with that level of death. So what happens now is the Bible says that not only after you die the first time, after judgment, there is going to be what the Scripture calls the second death. The second death, again, is not ceasing to exist. It's a separation of sorts. So to the one that has said yes to Christ and has received him as Savior, we spend an eternity with God. But to the one that has rejected the work that Jesus has done on the cross, the Bible says that he, has, he experiences a second death, meaning that while he's in God's presence, God separates himself from him. First death separation from the body and the soul second death separation from the soul with the presence of God and the place where the presence of God will not be in this place of separation away from the presence of God the scripture calls that place hell the scripture says it like this. He says it'll be fire, it'll be brimstone. He says it'll be a furnace that is seven times hotter than the earth, the hottest earthly furnace. This is the way he describes the place of souls that are separated from him in the second death. Now, that's powerful. Listen, to be, I, listen, I, there, are, there are people that will struggle and will fight over, the, uh, over a, a physical hell. There are people that are, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't believe that there is fire and brimstone in hell, But I want you to understand it's not about the fire and the brimstone that I want you to concern yourself about. It's about being separated from God that you should concern yourself about. I don't care if you put me in banana puddings and gave me Jolly Rancher Pops while I'm there. All of my favorite things, if God is not there, it's hell. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If God is not there, it is considered hell. So this is important to God. Is that you, somebody shout me, you are an eternal proposition. You were created eternally. You were created to exist in both the spirit dimension and in the physical dimension all at the same time. You are existing forever, watch this, and at the same time you're becoming who you've already been. You are existed forever, and at the same time, you are becoming what you've already been. You are all of you, yet you have not discovered all of you, because there's a you that exists now and in eternity, but your now you is just starting to learn about the you that has always existed. And this is the this is a part of the journey that makes uh, that uh, that that makes life worth living. That as you keep living. Your assignment is that you would evolve and that you would grow and that you would find new meaning of yourself in different moments and in different seasons of your life, that you would become something greater, a greater portion or a greater expression of your current self. That is what graduation is about. When you leave and go to college, you are supposed to adopt the mind of a collegian, not keep the mind of a high schooler. When you graduate, from college, you were to adopt the mind of an adult, not keep the mind of a collegiate student. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, Paul said. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I need somebody in here that's ready to put away some childish stuff. Touch your neighbor real quick and say, I graduated. I graduated. I graduated. I graduated. Now, this part of you you can ignore it if you want to, but you are wedded to the part of you that is going to exist throughout all of eternity. You don't get to separate from you. What God does with you is the Bible said that he calls a thing from the, from the end and then gives it a beginning. What does that mean? God is done with your life is he determined who you would be in this world. And then he rewound you and gave you a starting point in the earth and then said from the place where you began in earth, I want you to work to the place where I ended from your beginning. So you did not begin when you were born. You began when you were thought of. Y'all are not talking back to me. And what drives you in your spirit is to match and to meet what God said in eternity about yourself. Am I helping anybody in here? That's why when you want to give up on yourself, you can't give up on yourself because something deeper down the line is driving me in my right now to get to what God thought about. You are fearlessly and wonderfully made, he said. He didn't say you're becoming fearless and you're becoming wonderful. He said you were... Before you got here, you were wonderful before you got here. David said, before you knit me in my mother's womb, I was something to be reckoned with. Tell your neighbor, say, you all right, you all right, you all right, you all right. So you cannot shake this part of your journey and you learn about you in the journey, but you learn about you at God's pace, not your own. You learn about this eternal aspect of yourself different than your car and your trees and all the stuff that you like. Those things are going to pass away. Much of that stuff is going to pass away while you're living on this earth, let alone when you leave this earth. It is not connected to anything eternal concerning your life. What it is connect, What is connected is you are connected to a deeper idea that God had about yourself. He told the prophet, he said, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew stuff about you. That's what stuff is my parenthetic uh, uh, insert into the scripture. But before I formed you, he said, I knew you. And you will learn about you at heaven's pace, not your own pace. I know you think you can hurry up and grow up, but you can't. You don't get to rush through elementary school to get to high school. It takes everybody six years, even if we bump you up a couple grades. It is not. Normal for a 12-year-old to be in a high school senior's class. And if they are, they most oftentimes are intellectually developed but not socially developed for. And you can let people push you through life and put you in places where God has not anointed you to be at because they want you to be someplace faster than God wants you to be. But it will mess up your development if you are not moved at God's pace. And some of us are rejecting God and rejecting church and rejecting walking with the Savior, not because God is good, but because we rush you to accept something in the body of Christ that you were not developmentally ready to receive. So we jam speaking in tongues down your throat when you weren't ready to talk. I just want Jesus right now. I'm just trying to understand what all this salvation means. Why that? And we jam you into an experience that you're not yet ready ready to cognitively understand and intellectually you're there but developmentally we're behind and just like many gifted students who walk away from school and college we walk away from God and never walk into the levels of development we could this was the challenge with Adam and Eve remember Adam and Eve were in the garden the Bible said that they ate from what was the name of the tree the knowledge of good and evil in other words there was some knowledge concerning good and concerning evil concerning right and concerning wrong that was directly related to adam that god was trying to tell adam i will give you the information when you're prepared to have the information is that i will not give it was never god's intention to withhold information from adam It was God's intention that Adam would get all of the information when he was prepared to handle the information. And the challenge is that Satan pushed him into a place that he was not prepared to handle. That's why he went and covered himself. Covering himself was an indictment on his character because he was pushed into a place that he did not have the character to sustain. So God was trying to tell Adam, if you let me develop your journey you will not just have the knowledge you'll have the character to maintain the knowledge that you have. God help me in this place. And this is important that we understand this. Is that you that that you uh, if you're walking and moving with God God will help you graduate in life when you're ready to graduate in next places of your life. And graduation doesn't have anything to do with your task. I know you want to say I'm talented enough for not my next level, but God is in heaven saying that your next level is not going to be sustained by your talent. Your next level will be sustained by your character. Your talent will get you there. Your character will keep you there. And I've got my name on your life, and I'm not going to let your talent get you into trouble that your character can't keep you in. He says this. He says, watch this, He wants this. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Is that if we move at heaven's pace, if we move at heaven's pace, the only way that, that you grow is that you learn about the eternal you, not just the physical you. You can tell me what kind of food you like. You can tell me what kind of people you want to hang around. I don't want to know about the people you want to hang around. I want to know what you're here for. I want to know what you're called to do because what's going to drive you at the end of the day is not the kind of people you like because they're going to change as you go to different phases in your life. What you need from people will change, which means that the people are going to change oftentimes in the journey of your life. But if you know what you're here for, if I know that I've got a purpose for being in college and I came to get a degree not to be at every party and I came to finish and get educated not to have somebody take my chastity from me. I came to not be the coolest as guy but to be the guy that walks across the stage in four years I can't when you know why you're here then the then the challenge now is that life will start to help you understand that there is a you down inside of you that cannot come out until your life is shaken until your life is flipped upside down you better understand this about yourself is that there is a you inside of you that you don't even know. There is a you inside of you that can do things you don't even know you can do. There is a you inside of you that is deep down waiting to come out. And the only way it's going to come out is that life has to shake it out. I know you want to have a comfortable life, but the best you requires your life to be shook up the best you requires that your life be cracked a little bit there is a you inside of you you don't know how strong you are yet you don't know how good you are yet you don't know how genius you are yet why because you made your life too comfortable in order to know how strong you can really be but when god gets ready to show you yourself he doesn't take you to a place he takes you to a problem i wish i had some help in this place when god gets ready to show you how bad you are he don't take you to the city of hope he takes you to the problems in the city of hope when God gets ready to show you that you can change the world he doesn't take you to a place he takes you to a problem and if you don't like problems you will never meet you but if you're ready to meet the you that is eternal and that is connected with the power of God that lives inside of you you've got to look at problems problems and say come on and bring it because you're about to show me my strength come on and bring it you're about to show y'all I need somebody going through a problem right now raise your voice and give God a shout he said a problem Y'all sit down for a second because you know the story when Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. You got to read your Bible closely because they came to Jesus and they told Jesus, brother. They say, Jesus, 5,000 people out there and they're hungry and the sun's getting ready to go down. And we're going to go to the city and get some bread so we can feed everybody. And what did Jesus say to them? Jesus didn't say that, well, wait, I'm going to perform a miracle. What Jesus said is he looked back at Peter and said, don't go to the city. You're going to feed them. Y'all miss miss that. Y'all miss that. Y'all miss that. They brought Jesus a problem, and Jesus tried to show them how much power they had, because your problems and your power are interconnected. If you want to know how much power you got, look at the intensity of your problem. Is that God will never put you in a problem that the power that He put inside of you can't get? Ah, preaching to somebody in this place. Somebody with power better raise their voice. He said you gonna do it? I'm not gonna do it. They came to him. They said, "We don't, the wine is gone. Will you do the miracle?" He said, "Well, you go get the buckets and the stuff." He said, "You do it, and I'll do the miracle. But I want you to know that the you that you've been avoiding, the you that you have been comforting, the you that you've been playing with, the you that you don't want nothing to happen to, will only come forth when the eggshell is broken." You got to break the shell. Tell your neighbor, you got to break the shell. You got to break the shell. You got to break the shell, but the shell don't break by itself. I'm going to help you in here. The shell don't break by itself. Don't work like that. The shell doesn't break by itself. I'm going to help you in this place. The shell doesn't break by itself. The shell is designed to keep you there. The shell is designed to incubate you. The shell is designed to feed you. But once the embryo realizes, the fetus realizes that where I am is too small for where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to... Where once, y'all not talking back to me in this house, once what's inside the shell realizes that I'm bigger than this. I shouldn't be in this place. I shouldn't be around these folks. The baby starts to kick in rebellion to the limits that somebody would dare put on them. I need somebody in outright rebellion against their life to raise your voice and shout, I'm coming out. That's what graduation is graduation is saying I did this done that graduation is saying I deserve to be out of this graduation is saying I put my time in it's time for my next level graduation is saying I did the course I learned the lesson why am I gonna go around this mountain again just because you want me here the devil is alive I don't want to be here anymore I don't like it here anymore you gave me my degree it's time for me to leave this place and the devil is alive if you're gonna keep me where God said I can walk out of anytime I'm ready. Judge your neighbor say it's time, you it's time for you to graduate. 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 Your journey didn't stop in high school. Your journey didn't stop with those friends. Your journey didn't stop with that bad marriage. Your journey didn't stop with that cancer. Your journey didn't stop. It tried to stop you, but I'm too eternal. Shout I'm, I'm graduating, I'm graduating, I'm graduating, I'm graduating. And here's where you got to be careful. Me and my brother Brian, we drove up to, uh, uh, to see my other brother in San Jose a few years back. And we uh, started in San Diego, we jumped up, we knew it was going to be about eight and a half hours or so. Uh, so about a couple hours in the road, we pulled over into a gas station. And we jumped out, got in this gas station, we filled, filling up the car. We went and bought all the stuff that you know you buy when you're traveling: sunflower seeds, Slurpees, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, you know. We went, went, it went inside, and we did that. And we we encountered the most hood gas station this side of heaven. I'm telling you. We we walked into the store. We stood there for about a minute while the lady put the cigarettes up in the back, she was loading up the cigarette. Then she went to load up the Gatorade. And we're sitting there saying, hey, you know, where is the customer service in this joint? Is there anybody? When she finally came to the counter, there was no, I'm sorry, you know, for the wait. I'm sorry, I was in the middle of inventory. She was like, what you want? And we was like, what you want? Like, how do you... Like, like what in the world? What you want? And, and see, here was the thing, is that they were the only gas station that we could see for miles. And when sometimes when you're the only, when people think that they're the only, they treat you. God, I wish I had. Uh, they treat you any kind of way when they think that you're the only. So, you know, we got our gas and we paid for our chip. We got in the car and we started laughing about how, how ridiculous and how ignorant this place was. And we're driving up the street and we were, we, were, we were talking and we were laughing about how ridiculous that place was. We were driving up the street and we was laughing and we was talking about how ridiculous that place was. As we was driving away from the place, we were talking about the place that was ridiculous. Y'all, all right, I'm going to help y'all because y'all, y'all acting like the slow class. Watch what happens now. See, the thing is, is that we had a season where it was a mess, and we had a season where it wasn't comfortable, but we had somewhere we had to be. So even though I had to deal with my difficult season, I didn't stay in my difficult season because I had somewhere to go. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But I got everything I needed in my difficult season. I got my gas. I got my food. Y'all better be careful in here or something is going to set on fire. you got to be careful cussing your bad season. and and hating on where God has taken you through every now and then you gotta look like David and say it was good that I was afflicted because even though I didn't like it I got everything I needed I got my attitude back I got my praise back I got my appreciation y'all sit down sit down sit down I'm not even done with this story y'all sit down I'm not even done with this story after a few hours we had to pull To another gas station and we went into this gas station it was the exact opposite of the hood gas station five hours down the road the lady was so nice it's such a pleasure to see the store was clean we were like look at God you know she 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 let us mix the slurpy colors you know all that good all that good stuff. She let us, y'all y'all ghetto as I am up in here. See, everybody know what I'm talking about. So they let us mix the, so we had such a good time in there. Got all of our, replenished our seeds and our pumpkin seeds and all that good stuff. You know, even, I, she even gave us a free cup we didn't have to pay for because that's where you put your seed. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I love the city of Hope International. Sure. So. You know, we were driving and we jumped in our car and we, we were filled up, got our food. We started driving and we were talking about how different that place was from the place we were before. We were driving from that place thinking about how different that place was from the place we were before. I'm going to help y'all till y'all get it. We were driving from that place. Uh, because we was going somewhere. Y'all not talking back to me. See, that's why y'all wear me out trying to tell me you was prom queen. Don't nobody care about you being prom queen. You 45 now. Stop telling me about the good times. You got somewhere else. You got... I need somebody that's living on purpose to raise their voice. And it's not just the bad times I got to move on from. When you're eternal, you got to leave the good times behind because if this... It's not where I'm supposed to end. I gotta leave here too. Somebody shout, graduate! Okay. This is what graduation is about. I know high school was amazing college was amazing. I just had dinner with one of my old high school friends when I was back in St. Louis. Here's the funny thing is that I've got friends that I have known for as long as I have known myself just about. As long as I've known myself, we were reminiscing about before kindergarten. We didn't just go to high school together or middle school together. My friends from home, we were all in the same school track. Y'all get to choose y'all schools now. But where I grew up, this was where you lived, this is where you went. And if you want to go to a school different than the community you were in, you lied and put your aunt's address. <laughs> That's how y'all any of y'all had to go to school like that. You put your auntie name address and all your mail went there. The only thing good about that is maybe you can get your report card before your mama checked the mail. So uh But what happens now is is what happens is that we find ourselves in these moments and in in the journey where, as we are eternal beings, we fall in love with where we land in life. And you've got to be careful falling in love and just spending your whole life in a bad gas station. You oh God, I wish I was preaching to somebody. You gotta spend, there are some people that will have such a horrible time in the bad gas station that they can't leave. And they'd be talking about wanting to leave, but it's so horrible they can't leave because they're not addicted to the bad service. They're addicted to the fact that they're comfortable in bad situations. And are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And, and if by chance we convince you to drive up the road and you have the best season of your life, you can't stay there either. Some of us are addicted to the fact that this is the place where God really must want me to be. Well, if the car is full and you got to have, and you got, and you happy with your service, it's time for you to leave that place too. Because graduation is not about what's good or what's bad. It's about getting what God wants you to get. Get in every season of your life, and you are an eternal being, and the experiences you deal with are corruptible things. They are supposed to be passed through. supposed to be passed through. So am I, am I helping anybody in here? Am I helping anybody in here? When I graduated from college, it was a couple things I knew. I knew I was ready to play in the National Football League. I understood that. I was ready for that. But something deep down inside of me understood that I was ready to be on my own and I was an adult. Now, the challenge with that is that, interestingly enough, the last three months of my college experience were somewhat, probably collectively the best three months of my entire life. Meaning that I got born again in those months and I found a church that I fell in love with. And for some reason, I had never been a part of a community of believers where I actually wanted to go every time the doors was open. The doors were open, I was there. They had after school stuff, I was supporting the kids. They had Sunday, I was there. I literally only went to church for a month. And when I had to leave, I cried like I had started there from a child. I really did. It was like the middle of service, pastor hugging me like, what you so emotional about over here? We barely know you. (laughs) You know, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but you know what I'm saying. I cried, I cried, I cried, but I knew something. That, I, that as much as I would want to elongate this new season of my life, what I did realize is that it was over. That it was the, it was the beginning of the end of that season. And I realized it was over. So after all the stuff I had been through in LA, I, I had to remind myself, I graduated, I'm beyond this. I, got, I have to fix my mind on what is next in my life. And I came here not just to speak to the young graduates, and to speak to those that finished their secondary and some of them post-secondary degrees. I didn't just come to tell them to go to your next college or go to your next degree set, to go to, I didn't come to, to do that. I came to tell this room that where you have been has qualified you for where you're supposed to go. And you have to leave where you've been so that you can prove to God that you didn't waste my tears, that you didn't waste my hurt, that you didn't waste your time resuscitating my life and giving me vision and purpose so that I could stay in the place where I'm comfortable. Graduation is about moving into your next season because in your next season, it's gonna be spent. you're gonna walk into your next season like what and who and how and what am I supposed to do? And do you remember the children of Israel? When they left Egypt, they went into the desert. The Bible said they were so lost in the desert that they looked at at Moses and they told Moses, Moses, we should go back to Egypt. We should go back to Egypt. And Moses, Moses told them, we're not going backwards. We're not going backwards. Moses said, do you remember why we left Egypt in the first place? And in order for them to understand why they left Egypt in the first place, he had to bring them back to how they got to Egypt. They got to Egypt because Joseph, who was a slave, was taken in. He was moved from one prison to the next prison. He had a gift and a dream that got him to Pharaoh's house. Once he gets to Pharaoh's house, <clears throat> the Bible said that he was, had so much favor that Pharaoh made him the second in command of all of Egypt. He walked into Pharaoh's room and said, Pharaoh, my father and my family are in the middle of the desert during this drought. He said, he said, can I bring them into Egypt? He said, what's your father's name? He said, my father's name is Jacob. He said, and all my brothers are still alive. He said, go. He said, not only can you bring them into Egypt, they can have the choicest land. Tell them to pick this land and let them grow and let them multiply. And we're going to foot the bill. That's what the Pharaoh told him. He went and he got his brothers and he got his father. He brought them into Egypt. And the Bible said that they flourished and, the, and his family grew. And all this Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the sons of Abraham, all they began to grow to a couple hundred, 300,000, I believe 400,000 the Bible said. 400,000 people are in Egypt because of Joseph speaking to the king and the Pharaoh, telling them that they could come. And then the Bible said... That there grew a pharaoh that did not know Joseph. There was a pharaoh that came up that was detached from all that Joseph did for Egypt. And his assertion of the Jewish Hebrews was different than the previous pharaohs. And instead of giving them the choicest land, the Bible says he took the land back from them, made them slaves, told them they're going to build up the new city of Ramsey. And then when they started to multiply, the Bible said that they put more, less, they took straw away and made it harder for them to build bricks. And the Bible said that the the harder the work got, the more children they were having. And then it got to the point where the Pharaoh said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kill everybody's son that is born this whole summer. Anybody that has a son that's born, we're going to kill him." And this is how Moses' mother takes Moses, puts him in a basket, pushes him off the road. And Pharaoh's daughter finds, sister finds him and brings him into the house after a couple of hundred years of having favor they had a couple of hundred years of not having favor so they're standing out in the desert with Moses talking about going back into slavery Moses is telling them do you understand how you got to slavery you didn't get to slavery watch this because you went into a good season you got into slavery because you stayed in that good season too long And it's possible for you to be in a good situation too long and it goes sour. The only difference between a rotten apple on the vine and the apple that got picked off the vine is one stay too long. You can't stay in high school too long. You can't stay in college too long. Listen, watch this. You can't move your body and not move your mind too. Because your body can be in college and your mind can still be. So, as a, so when I was a child, I thought as a child. But now that I'm a man, what did Paul say? I put away those child things because I graduated. And I want to talk to you. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to pray for some of you that are graduating. And I'm not just talking about school. But you're sensing and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? It's time for me to graduate from where I've been. It's time for me to get back on this eternal road toward my purpose. I've made too many pit stops, and I put too much energy in all the bad gas stations, or maybe I put too much energy in all the good stations that it worked for me. I just, at this stage of my life, I realize that my life is eternal. It is not, and I've got to get rid of all the corruptible stuff, the stuff that was supposed to fade away, supposed to fade away, that you're going to keep pumping life in. You're going to keep pumping life into a relationship that God said should die out. You're going to keep pumping life into a job that God said is over. You're going to keep pumping life into a ministry that God said do something different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Today I'm giving you your opportunity to graduate. I'm giving you an opportunity to put on your hat and move your tassel to the side and take